0: This episode of World Changing Ideas is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on.
1: I'm Taleb Visram, and this is World Changing Ideas from Fast Company magazine. This week, we're exploring the benefits of a plant-based diet and how it could significantly halt global emissions. Last week, we learned about two innovative ways to address climate change in the agricultural sector. We went to a hydroponic greenhouse and also learned how one organic dairy farm is pioneering a more cyclical way of agriculture. Part of the effort to change harmful agricultural practices and reduce carbon emissions includes adopting a plant-based diet. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. And joining me to discuss this is our producer, Avery Miles. Hi, Avery.
0: Hey, Talib. How's it going?
1: Good. I am in my native UK right now, uh, visiting uh, some friends and family. And it is not raining, contrary to um, (laughs) to popular belief.
0: Well, the minute you get back here, it will be. Yeah. (laughs) Just
1: to make up. I've definitely just jinxed it, right? Yeah. So we've had our friendly chats about... (laughs) (laughs) So friendly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we've had our friendly chats about meat consumption and vegetarianism. But for our listeners, tell us a little bit about your diet backstory.
0: Sure. Uh, So I've been a vegetarian my whole life. It's something my grandparents started in the 60s because they wanted their family to live a more holistic life. So for me, it's about carrying out that philosophy and it also you know, happily aligns with our society's shift towards becoming more environmentally conscious.
1: So you're going to make me look bad now.
0: No, not trying to. (laughs) Uh, Right. Well,
1: so I grew up uh, eating meat. I kind of grew up with, you know, the meat was, you know, the kind of the protein was the center of the plate, you know, just like all your furniture points toward your TV, uh, everything <laughs> everything else <laughs> points toward your, your protein You know, I, I, I kind of I grew up that way I, I wouldn't say that every meal I eat is meat Well, it's, it's not um, And I, I rarely eat red meat um, mm-hmm. But I, I do enjoy kind of cooking and, and during the pandemic, you know, I cooked a lot and, and, and oftentimes that was doing something kind of meat You know, a, a riff on, on a meat dish um, So, you know, I would say I'm, I'm pretty meat-heavy
0: what was the um, your favorite dish that you cooked over the pandemic?
1: I made, uh, I, I, and I think we might have even told our listeners about this before, uh, <laughs> but I made a, a lamb uh, bolognese like spaghetti. Like oh spaghetti my God.
0: that's right. Yeah. yeah, wasn't it using the wine that I sent you?
1: Yeah, which was controversial, but I, you know, uh, I still yeah. say I still think <laughs> you know using a wine is a, a, in cooking is complimentary. <laughs>
2: Wow, really making
1: me look bad today, huh?
0: Never again, (laughs) no. I'm just going to give you a piece of broccoli next time. (laughs) So yeah, so I also wanted to chat about this because our colleague Adele Peters wrote about a recent study that calculated if animal agriculture was phased out, it would help shrink greenhouse gases in the atmosphere so dramatically that the world could reach net zero emissions for decades.
1: Wow, that's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, it is. The study authors also stated that a plant-based diet could help unlock substantial negative emissions.
2: What does that mean exactly? The negative emissions come from two major ways. Number one, methane and nitrous oxide are very potent greenhouse gases, more potent Mm -hmm. than carbon dioxide. They're unstable. They're chemically unstable. And so as soon as you stop those emissions... Effectively you get negative emissions, and the negative emissions from shutting off that source of methane and nitrous oxide are very substantial, okay. Methane decay alone will offset almost a decade worth of total greenhouse gas emissions. So the effect on atmospheric greenhouse gases and on global heating would be negative. It would not be constant. It would go down.
0: That's Stanford University biochemistry professor emeritus Patrick Brown, who authored the study. He's also the founder and CEO of Impossible Foods. So he's not unbiased, but the peer-reviewed study shares all the data it used, so anyone can feasibly make the same calculations. So Brown and his co-author Michael Eisen, who's a professor of genetics and development at UC Berkeley, concluded that an estimated 800 gigatons of carbon could also be pulled from the atmosphere if the land used for grazing, growing cattle, feed, and other crops for animal agriculture was allowed to return to its natural state as a forest or a prairie or even a grassland.
1: That would be a major overhaul for the entire agricultural industry though. So how would farmers survive that shift economically?
0: Well, farmers who rely on subsidies to make meat profitable could potentially make more money, actually, by selling carbon credits.
2: So, One of the things that we found in this analysis, actually, is that because the biomass recovery potential on that land is so huge on a global scale, you can actually calculate, given a price for carbon offsets in the carbon market, how much money could be made if the land were used to recover forests rather than to feed cows. And for the large majority of agricultural land in the world, at a carbon price of $50 a ton, which is where most economists think it's headed in the next few years, farmers could make way more money just letting the ecosystems recover. It's simple math.
1: Ah, okay. That makes sense.
0: Also, according to the study, if the transition began now, the climate would feel the effects quickly. By 2030, so in a mere eight years, we could reach net zero emissions globally, even if emissions from fossil fuels and other sources continue.
2: The bottom line is it doesn't make any sense at all. Once you have a product that's more delicious, more nutritious, more affordable, better for the planet, and doesn't involve basically eating a corpse of a slaughtered animal... Anyone who cares about climate change, this is great news, the best news we've had in a decade about climate change, because there's an existing way that requires no drastic reset of the economy or non-existent technology to put the brakes on climate change, and fast.
0: This episode of World Changing Ideas is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com.
1: This is all reminding me of an interview I did recently with Andrew Zimman, who's a chef and TV personality. You might remember him, for 12 years Zimman hosted Bizarre Foods with Andrew Zimmon, where he tried everything from coral worms in Samoa to tarantulas in Cambodia, and those were some of the mild ones. (laughs) On an episode of the show back in 2013, Zimman went to the headquarters of Eat Just, which is a plant-based company that had developed vegan eggs from mung bean protein. When the episode aired, the products kind of fit snugly under the bizarre category. But now, only nine years later, Zimman says that concept is no longer bizarre. Uh, He told me, a fellow carnivore, you and I are the weirdos.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) Because I was considered the weirdo growing up. So, shoes on the other foot.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did he tell you how those uh, coral worms and tarantulas tasted?
1: No, we didn't go into that. But um, I assume they taste like chicken. They say that about everything, right?
0: Right. If you listen to Jessica Simpson, yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, a lot of plant-based companies and alternative meat companies are looking, because we're not allowed to say fake meat, so the non-meat companies are, uh, they're targeting you and Zimmern as their primary customers, not people like me who've already decided.
1: Right, yeah, it's us still struggling over here. Um, <laughs> when, <laughs> when Zimmern turned 60 last July, he said he had somewhat of an epiphany, having read that even reducing meat could add up to nine more years to his life.
0: Nine years, that's incredible. That's actually a pretty significant Amount?
1: Yeah. And so after that, he said he'd slowly wean himself off of meat.
0: Well, good for him. So was it primarily for his health that he decided to change uh, these eating habits?
1: No, he said he did do it um, to do his part for the climate and all the connected issues of unsustainable food production. Since we can't turn back time, he well, I I can't at least, uh, he said that what we can do is reduce our consumption of animal meat, which is becoming less and less sustainable to eat. Mm -hmm. So right now, meat accounts for nearly 60% of all carbon emissions from food production, and the equivalent of 3 billion annual metric tons of CO2 originate from farming beef.
0: Yeah, not to mention how the climate crisis is like an ecosystem of all of the interrelated problems that affect hunger and food waste and also racial justice, immigration and healthcare. You name it. The list goes on. So what's he up to these days? Is he still trying exotic foods all over the world?
1: So right now he's a culinary advisor for a plant-based chicken company called Tyndall. As for his own individual culinary choices, he said it's gonna be a slow and steady flexitarian route.
0: Is that like the dating app for people who are going off meat? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> that seems like it would be a, a, a good community, wouldn't it? A n- necessary <laughs> <Yeah>. community.
0: <laughs> yeah, finding people who are also trying to wean themselves off of a uh, meat-based diet. Yeah. <laughs> well, it makes sense because the flexitarian route seems to be the route that a lot of people are exploring these days, even if they're a little bit timid about it. After talking to him, how did you come away from that conversation? Did you like have a different impression of going plant-based more?
1: I mean, it sort of gives you gives you hope because it's not all or nothing, right? You know, you, you can still keep meat-based dishes for special occasions. And we're not going cold turkey, although turkey is probably a, a bad word choice. <laughs> uh, I think he said at some point that he knew if he went all out vegan tomorrow, he would relapse by the evening. Right. So he's winning himself off, which kind of gave me hope. And you can kind of do it slowly. It's not about going vegan tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I think, as you said, this flexitarian route or, or reducitarian, as some <laughs> people are calling it, is the way to go for people like Andrew and I, who are stuck in the old days.
0: <laughs> I mean, I kind of get it. I have a love affair with cheese. So mm-hmm. it's been hard to to migrate towards the uh, plant-based cheese, which I guess is made from cashews. Right. So you really do have to switch up your expectations. When you want a quesadilla,
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, for me, that's gonna be that's gonna be a little while till we get there, but we'll get it. <laughs>
0: it's fine. It only matters that we try.
1: That's all for our show today. If you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe to World Changing Ideas wherever you find your podcasts. If you like this episode, leave us a rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Today's episode was produced by Avery Miles. Fast Company podcasts are produced by Avery Miles and Blake Odom. Editing and sound design by Nicholas Torres. Executive producer is Joshua Christensen. Editorial oversight from Deputy Editor Kate Davis and Senior VP of Entertainment, Scott Meebus.